Jesus goes on to say, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. So think about this statement that, that Jesus is making to the disciples and what this must have sounded like to them as He's, saying, as he's telling them this, right? Put yourself in their shoes for a minute. And, and as I read this and I studied this, and you know, I, I've, I've preached for all the years that I've been in ministry, I've always tried to encourage people to put them in a situation of thinking like this, that Jesus is with you. Right? I've always said, would you do that if Jesus were with you? you know? uh, how, how would you worship if Jesus was with you? What would it look like if, if Jesus was with you all, all day long? How would that change your schedule? How would that change the, the conversations that you have? Right? And, and so, you know, think about how, but how awesome that it would be to have Jesus with us. I mean, think of the advantages of having Jesus with you. I mean, like you're having a Super Bowl party and you run out of Cheetos and bam, he multiplies it and there's 12 baskets left over, right? Or, or you, you run out of hot wings and Jesus is like, no problem. And, you know, the chickens come, you know, and you've just multiplied hot wings all over the place. And so think about if, if, if Jesus was with you and, and Jesus was with you all the time and you got a headache. I mean, what would you do? Would you take Advil, Tylenol, or Jesus? <laughs> I take Jesus every time, right? I got a headache, Jesus. Oh, no problem. It's gone. You know, how awesome would that be? Uh, you know, your dog gets run over uh, by a car and killed. Jesus just walks up to the road and, you know, resurrects your dog, you know, and your dog lives forever. Your cat gets out there, gets hit by a car and killed. Jesus helps you dig a hole and bury it. I mean, Jesus is awesome, <laughs> all right? He would help you with that. I know he would. <laughs> hey, he just said we had to love one another. He didn't say nothing about loving cats, all right? <clears throat> but, but seriously, uh, you know, Jesus says here, think about what he's saying. Think about how awesome it would to be, have Jesus with us all the time. And Jesus is saying here, you are better off that the Holy Spirit be in you than you are for me to be beside you. Think about what he's saying. Skip back. I want to jump back now. I'm jumping back and forth, but I, I need to be quick. Look at Je what Jesus said back over in chapter 14 and verse 12. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, don't miss this, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Just soak that in a second. Think about what he's saying to us here because it sounds kind of crazy, right? Because who has done greater things than Jesus? I mean, who has done greater things than the Son of God Jesus Christ could do? that we read about uh, here in Scripture. And, and so the question for us today is, as, as the church, as the bride of Christ, as the body of Christ, are we experiencing this? Is this our experience in the church? Is this our experience as followers of Jesus? Because Jesus says, this is the promise. This is what's uh, available. 
And, and so are we experiencing this? Imagine, you know, if Jesus was here, if Jesus was on our staff, right? How awesome it would be if Jesus was here among us. Think about uh, how cool that would be uh, if Jesus was here in Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene. If Jesus was at Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene, I'd just almost wager, but I'm a preacher, so I can't do that. I would almost bet that there would be a whole lot more people here if Jesus was here. Don't you imagine? All right. Uh, but Jesus says here that when he's gone, there will be even greater works than Jesus did. And so, church, can I just ask you today, are we experiencing that? Because we're supposed to. All right? We're supposed to. The Holy Spirit is supposed to, in response to our prayers, you know, sweep through our family, sweep through our neighborhoods, sweep across our community in this county uh, that we live in. The promise is that God will do greater things in us. He would do greater things in His bride. He would do greater things in His church. And we're going to be talking about this uh, a lot more over the next few weeks, and I hope you come back and be a part of that. But today I want to introduce you to some friends that the Holy Spirit is doing some great things through. All right? And I'm excited that they're here. You've heard me reference to, you've heard me talk about uh, us partnering with uh, Conway Ministry Center. I'm sure you've heard that name from, from this platform. We have, well, we've, we've partnered with them on some food drives. Many of you helped over at Walmart uh, as we collected food one day uh, for Conway Ministry Center. Cereal drives, things, uh, all kinds of different things like that right there. God is doing a great work through Conway Ministry Center here in Central Arkansas. I'm excited to have them here today uh, to be able to share with you uh, so I want you to make welcome this morning to the platform a lady with the most awesome name ever in the whole wide world. All right, get this, Miss Spring Hunter. How many of you would love to be a spring hunter, huh? And Spring Hunter is with us today. She's awesome. She's executive director for the Conway Ministry Center. Laura King's also with us here today, and uh, she's a dear friend of ours, and, and she's the director of development and public relations. But I just want to turn it over to uh, Spring this morning and let God use her to speak to you. God bless you, Spring. Okay. Oh, this is, this is on. Can you hear me? Yes? Okay. I just have to hold it a little closer. Well, um, first of all, I would just want to start off by saying thank you. Um, I, I know that um, a lot of times people hear Conway Ministry Center and they think Conway City Limits. And um, by the grace of God, we've been able to expand out quite a bit further than Conway. We've found that all of our little rural communities that are outside of Conway rely heavily on Conway. And so that includes Greenbrier. And we have clients that come from Damascus and um, all the way up to Clinton and Heber Springs and Moralton and Perryville and um, just, just all around us. And so, um, so thank you guys for getting behind us and supporting us and, and just allowing us to come and share about what God's doing at this, at this little mission. Um, I, you cannot hear me? Can you hear me now? Okay. Okay, so I'll just try to keep it way up front. 
Okay. So um, before I jump into what we do and kind of get into the technical stuff, I just want to um, make sure that we give credit where credit's due. Um, I'm going to tell you about what's going on at the Conway Ministry Center, but what I'm really telling you is about the story of God in our community and our time and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our time and in our hometowns. And um, it's just been a pretty incredible thing to be a part of, that when the church unites together, um, when you get the Baptists and the Nazarenes and the Catholics and the Assemblies and all these people that are under the banner of Jesus Christ, when they lay some stuff down and they unify together to make some stuff happen, I cannot tell you the beauty of Christ that exists in a place where people come together the way that heaven is going to come together someday. And we're looking around and we're seeing all these different people from all these different backgrounds serving and sharing Christ with people. It's just been incredible. Um, I like to share a little bit about myself and how I got to the Conway Ministry Center, um, mostly because I, I want for all of us to get to experience the way God works through redemption and the way that God takes pieces of our past and he flips them on their head and he uses them for his glory. Um, he doesn't just redeem us um, so that from this point on, everything about us will redeem Christ. He will redeem even that dark thing that happened in your past. He will take the thing that happened then and turn it around. I'm so encouraged by the story of Joseph um, in the Old Testament in Genesis where we see Joseph go through all of these difficult trials and he goes through these terrible things for much of his life and God takes his whole past and redeems it for this moment where he can go back and save his family and go back to the people that he he was stolen away from. And so um, God just works like that. Like he has a purpose and a plan for each of us. And um, so I do like to tell a little bit about where I come from. Um, so I'm actually from rural Arkansas, Johnson County, over um, down the road a little ways. And um, I come from just a family that was riddled with generational sin. Um, I come from generation after generation of deep poverty. And I'm talking about the kind of poverty where you live in shacks and you don't have drinkable water. And um, sometimes we lived in tents and sometimes we lived in our car and we were... Um, deeply poor. Um, I come from a family that was riddled with generational abuse and relationship problems. Just generation after generation, my family suffered from um, just this carrying down of abusive relationships and um, and marriages and divorces and chaos. And then, um, and then on my father's side, I came from generation after generation of addiction issues. And so my father was a meth addict and an alcoholic and um, and his father had addiction issues, and his brother had addiction issues. And um, so, so I did not grow up in a home where we talked about Christ. Um, I grew up in a home that was very chaotic and um, scary at times and, and deeply troubled. But God intervened through a handful of relationships. And so while I wasn't receiving Christ at home, there were people strategically placed in my life, just a handful. It wasn't hundreds and hundreds of people at the time. It was a handful of people, and I could tell you their names and tell you where they go to church, um, that drove church buses. Can I tell you that the ministry of the church bus driver is so pivotal to go pick up kids that don't hear it at home and bring them to a place where they can hear it? Vacation Bible schools, um, 
my teachers, I had a handful of teachers that really just invested in me and spoke truth and spoke life. And so while I didn't have this real core understanding of who Jesus was growing up and up into my teenage years, I had heard pieces of the truth coming along. And so um, in my late teens and early 20s, I, I really came to this place where, um, where I was beginning to have to choose. Either I'm going to follow this path that my family had been suffering with generation after generation, or I was going to have to do something different. I was going to have to make a choice. And so, um, so, so I gave my life to Christ, um, and I had a handful of people investing and discipling in me. And um, I was the first person in my home that got to go to college and finish college. I was the first person in my home that really turned around and got out of that. And I will tell you that God had brought me back to my family, and most of them have gotten out as well. So it's just been this great turning where Jesus drew a line of blood in my family and said, not past this generation. And not only that, I got to go back to the generation before me, and I got to see my mother saved, and I got to see my grandparents saved. And so he is faithful to invest through relationships. And so um, that kind of brings us to Conway. So um, my husband um, moved us to Conway because he was starting medical school, and it was absolutely an act of God that he even got in, y'all. We are just not medical school kind of people. But um, so we get into medical school and we moved to Conway because I wasn't about to go from rural, rural Arkansas to like downtown Little Rock. That just wasn't even in my vocabulary. Um, so we moved to Conway and I knew that God was leading us to Conway because of my husband and the great things that God was doing in his life. But I had no idea why I was in Conway. I had gotten to be a part of recovery ministries and, and we had a mobile soup kitchen over in Johnson County that we drove around. And I was, got to be a part of God just doing incredible things over there. And when we moved to Conway, I knew that we were here for a reason, but I didn't know why spring was here in Conway. And so we kind of were visiting churches and we stumbled into the Second Baptist Church when they were still at that building where we are now. And they were sharing a vision of this thing that they were going to do. They were about to move out of this building. They weren't going to sell that building. And they were going to give up this building to become a mission to Faulkner County in central Arkansas. And so the guy that was sitting as kind of the acting board president was sharing that day, and he just basically got up and was honest and said, we don't know what this thing looks like. We don't know where we're going from here, but we know that we know that God is telling us to do mission work from this building. And so, um, so I was sitting there, and I always say, if I've ever heard the Lord speak in that moment, all he said to me was, go tell that man your story. Um, so I set up an appointment with Greg Pillow, and I went and I told him my story. And I just said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do at this ministry center, but you need to get used to seeing this face because you're going to see a lot of it. And so um, two weeks later, they called me back, and they had met with their vision team, and they came back and said, we don't know what the blueprint looks like for this ministry center, but, but we believe that, the God's, that God is giving it to you. And so, um, so they hired me. They took a chance on me, and they hired me. And guys, the rest has just been the most beautiful thing that I've ever been a part of in my life. I've just seen God raise up the church, like the big C church, and, and bring volunteers. We only have six people that work there and hundreds of volunteers that show up to make all of this possible. And so it's just a beautiful thing. You know, uh, Scripture tells us how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity, and it is just that over there. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about what we do. Um, 
the core of every program that we have at the ministry center is relationship. Relationship with Christ, relationship with each other is, is the core of how you turn the ship around. When somebody is headed for disaster, the thing that needs to happen to turn them around is not to throw money at it or to, or to um, try to patch in a program around it. The thing that has to happen is a real relationship or a series of real relationships. And God has called us to do that. He's designed the church to be the perfect fit for that. You know, he didn't call our government programs to disciple people. He called the church to disciple people. We are equipped, divinely equipped to do the thing that has to happen to turn people's lives around for the better. So, um, so all of our programming is based on relationship. And, um, so kind of at the core of everything that we do is our case management program. That's what we started with. Um, that is still just the basis of everything that we do. So, um, so we do utility assistance and we do rental assistance and we pull people out of eviction and we fix cars and we help with medications. And I mean, you name it, just whatever you can think of, there is a chance that we probably do it or have done it as far as like helping somebody come out of a crisis. Um, but what that looks like for us is relationship. So we bring people in. If you need any kind of assistance from us, we bring them in, and we have a full-time case manager that sits down with folks um, to ask the question, the first question always, tell me what's going on. Um, and the reason we ask that is because some people will say, well, spring, I need help with my electric bill. That's what's going on. But most people will, will share with you. When somebody sits down and, and doesn't say, what do you want from me? But they say, tell me what's going on with you. They will tell you. They will share their stories with you. They'll tell you what's going on with them. And in asking that question, when you sit down with somebody for an hour and say, tell me what's going on, um, I always give this as an example because it was such a, it was one of my very first appointments and it just, it just really spoke to me. I met with a young mom that had, I don't know, three or four kids and she was missing work. So she needed help with her electric bill because she had a, a shutoff notice with this electric bill. But after I sat down and met with her for a little bit, what I found out was she had missed work because she had a 15 year old son that was struggling hard. He was starting to dabble in drugs. He had a terrible group of friends. There was no man investing in their family, and she was losing him. And um, so she was missing work because he had been, I guess, suspended from school, and she had had to take some time off and stuff. And so, so yes, she needed help with her electric bill, and we helped her with her electric bill. Um, but what she needed was somebody to love and mentor her family. And so there are programs for that in Faulkner County that, that set up teens with mentors that will share Christ with them and spend time with them and hold them accountable. And so we were able to get her son connected with one of the programs that already exists. So part of what we do is just make it our business to know who's out there and what they do and how do you get connected with them because we really do have some awesome programming in Central Arkansas, but so many of the people that need it most don't even know that it's there. And don't know how to get connected. So, so because they come in with an electric bill or an eviction notice or they need help with a prescription, we're able to sit down and ask those questions and really begin to understand what's going on in the lives of people that are hurting and, and struggling and then try to walk alongside them through a process. We don't want to just help you pay 50 bucks towards your electric bill. We want to walk with you. 
and get you connected to the church. So, um, so that's our case management program. Um, out of that um, case management first initial program, um, you guys, uh, Faulkner County has just an increasing homeless population, and um, and and since we have hung our shingle and started that that ministry over there, God has continued to just bring the homeless to us in droves. Um, I had no idea when I moved here that we had the homeless population and around here that we do, um, and it is growing, and um, it's it's getting worse. Um, and I'm sure that you guys have seen it by seeing people hold signs and stuff. We It has suddenly become in this last couple of years really evident that we have a growing homeless issue in, in our county. Um, and so we do not have a true, like you think Salvation Army, check in, check out, homeless shelter. We have some really, really great transitional housing programs that exist here, but we do not have a homeless shelter. If I roll out and I'm homeless in Conway tonight, I do not have a place to sleep, period. Um, so, so we are praying through that process and we're trying to develop programming that, that accommodates that. And we have a rehousing program where we partner with folks and we try to get them housed if it's appropriate for them to get housed. But even that is a process. Um, and then our third big program that we have is our food pantry, which you guys have done the food drives for that and the cereal drives and, um, and that thing has just exploded. I will tell you that, um, that program just turned two years old in June and it has grown so fast and so furiously that it, it has just been incredible. You talk about loaves and fishes. You talk about Jesus did this, and do we see him doing that today? We do through that program. I, I don't even know how there's food on the shelves. That's the truth of it. I don't know, other than it shows up, and people continue to give, and people continue to serve. Um, that entire program, we have one storehouse director, um, and everybody else is a volunteer, and it takes, you know, a staff of 25 or 30 people a week to keep it going, and the food has to be on the shelves, and God shows up, and he does it every single week. Um, so even in that, even in the way that we feed people, the goal is relationship. And so we've got it set up like a little grocery store in there. We don't have a big warehouse where people are packing boxes in the back. Our, our volunteers and our staff are out front. We get the, get the shelving stocked on a different day. And when the people are coming through to get their food, we're out there with them and talking to them and getting to know their families. And what kind of, what kind of food does your family eat? And sometimes we have folks that come in that don't have just basic life skills. They don't know how to cook a pan of lasagna. They don't know how to make chicken and rice. And so we have um, volunteers that come and help people try to plan ahead and, and think about different recipes and how can we help you make good choices. Um, and so we try to turn that into a relational time. We don't call numbers. We call names. Um, we pray with people. We get to know them. And at the end of the whole shopping experience, we always have people there to just say, can we pray for you? And, and I have just seen... It's, it's a really cool thing because even if you have somebody that's atheist or agnostic or they don't know what they believe, if you ask permission to pray to your God for their behalf, they will let you pray almost always. Almost nobody refuses prayer, 
even if they don't really buy into it. And so in praying with somebody, when you grab somebody's hand and you pray with them and you share through that prayer that God's a provider and that he's a healer and that he cares for you and that he's in this moment and you let the Holy Spirit do what he does through that prayer, it's just an incredible thing. I've had so many volunteers come back to to me and, and to other staff members in serving through these different programs and say, this feels like a mission trip. Um, I've had the pleasure of serving down in Central America and doing some different things down there. And I will tell you that the thing that is happening on that mission field overseas is happening in Conway, Arkansas, in your hometown, in a food pantry or in a little case management office. Jesus is there and he's at work just like he is over there. And I'm not saying don't go overseas, go do it and then come home and come see me. So it, it is happening in our midst. And so, um, so that's three of our programs. Yay. Yeah, praise God. He is faithful to show up, let me tell you. Um, and so the other thing um, that I would ask for your prayer about as we continue to grow um, is this homeless issue. Um, we have, we sit on a seat with the uh, city of Conway uh, on a homeless task force trying to come up with solutions. How can we get a shelter? How can we get it in a hurry? Um, we have talked with other organizations about maybe we want to try to get Salvation Army corporate to come in here and do what they do in our town, you know, like they do in Little Rock and Hot Springs. And we visited with other people and we tried to brainstorm and come up with other solutions. And the Lord continues to bring it back to the Conway Ministry Center. Um, and so I would ask for your prayer. I think that God might be uniting the church and the city and the county and the community to bring this whole group of people together to make this shelter thing happen. I think that that's where we are, but I don't know that yet. And so um, I would just pray that you um, continue to think of us and, and pray about that with us. Um, if that's where the Holy Spirit is leading there's no other place we want to be. But if that isn't for us, then I don't want to go there if God doesn't go before us and lead us into that. But I think he is. And then um, specifically, we have had the pleasure of hosting a winter warming station. So we do not have a permit from the city to open a permanent shelter, but we have in years past, and it's a year-to-year thing, every year it comes up, are we going to get to do it this year, to have a winter warming station. And I don't know if you guys had heard about that last year, but we opened for 10 weeks, the coldest 10 weeks last year, um, to have this warming station open. And um, now I will tell you this, we... I don't know that I've seen the church come together in a hurry like they did behind that warming station. We found out almost at the last minute that we were going to get to open. Um, we were open for 10 weeks. Um, we had 400 volunteers from every different church you can think of just all around cooking and cleaning and serving meals and playing uno and cleaning bathrooms and repairing showers and I mean anything that you can think of we have 400 people I hired one night manager and we ran a homeless shelter for 10 weeks and we served 104 homeless people came and stayed with us during that time and it was just the church being the church, like I've never seen it before in my life. I mean, just beautiful, beautiful hearts for, and I'll tell you the other thing that happened is a lot of uh, stereotypes got broken 
You know, you think of homeless guy, you have a real clear picture of what homeless guy looks like. And then you go serve in a warming station and you have conversations with people and all that gets broken off of you um, when you hear people's stories. And so I would ask that you pray that we get to open it again this year. It's not a guarantee. I'm supposed to find out this week. So y'all just pray that the Lord stirs hearts that need to be stirred so we can have a place for people to sleep this winter. Um, And then if I hear a yes... I'll be back on the phone with you because I need food. I need people to come play cards. I need, I need people to serve this homeless population. So, um, so different ways that you guys can get involved. Um, my number one prayer for, for every church that I talk to and for this church that I talk to is that you look back at your own life story. So God's given you a calling. He's given you a story. He's given you a past. Um, he's given you things that he's brought you through. And I would venture to say that at a place, at a mission like the Conway Ministry Center, God will often use the thing that you would least expect to, to bring back full circle and serve him. I never expected God to use the darkest, ugliest parts of my life to minister back to the very people that he pulled me from. And that's exactly what he does. I cannot tell you how thankful I am on a regular basis to know what it feels like to not know where your next meal's coming from. How can you thank God that you were hungry as a child? And I am regularly thankful that I was hungry as a child because I know what it feels like to be desperate. And so you may not have like a homeless story or a hungry story, but has God rescued you from anything? What has God rescued you from? And I would say, allow God to have that and take it and let the Holy Spirit use it to go back and minister to people because he sure will. And it is just an incredible thing. Um, so obviously we need, we need everything. We need food. We need tents. We need money. We need sleeping bags. We need hygiene products. We need baby diapers. We need toothbrushes and tooth. Well, we may not need toothbrushes right now. We probably have a lot of toothbrushes. Anyway, we always have toothbrushes. Um, but I mean, there's different ways we take furniture. Whenever we get these homeless people off the streets and we finally get them into an apartment they get their little keys and they walk in and they have nothing. So we also try to provide a couch and a bed and a kitchen table. So sometimes you even think like, do I really want to have a yard sale? And if the answer is no, call us up. We may need some of that stuff. Pots and pans and curtains and towels and just, I mean, literally anything you can think of just about. Um, So those are ways you can get involved. You can give. Um, One big thing that I would ask you to pray about is that um, coming soon, um, we are desperately trying to get our our, um, food pantry open at least once a month, if not every week, eventually. We want to open at night. Right now we're open on Thursdays from 9.30 to 1.30. And so if you work during the day and you don't have somebody you can send in your place, you actually don't get to come to our food pantry, and that is not going to work. So, um, so we are diligently trying to get open in the evenings, and that means a whole new set of volunteers. It means we have to stock our warehouse for double duty. I mean, it's just, it's like starting over, except we have like a skeleton that we know how to run one. So I would, I would ask that if, if you've got evenings and you want to serve at a food pantry, come talk to us. If you don't mind taking people to a doctor's appointment, come talk to us. If you have uh, contractor skills, we have put some people to work, let me tell you, that just know how to fix plumbing or can repair a dryer or whatever you can think of. Um, just allow God to use the, even the things that you think wouldn't be usable are so usable. So, um, what else can they do, Laura? 
Yeah. Just listen, we're going to be out there in, in a little bit. We've got little cards. We've got information. If you just want to share your email address with us and say, what can I do? We can give you some ideas or we can talk through some things. So thank you so much for loving us and, and supporting us. And my number one ask, if you do nothing else and you don't know what God's leading you to do today, just pray for us because we covet your prayers more than anything. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Turn that back on. I, oh, okay. I'm not like I'm bossing you and telling okay. you what to do, but we were talking not earlier. Yet. No, we're not. <laughs> okay. uh, we were talking earlier, and, and something came to mind, as you mentioned it a while ago, was the stigma that goes along with this homeless population. Uh, I asked you to remind uh, the people in the 830 service, what, what were the numbers, again, of homeless that you kind of know? I know you're trying to go through a process. Yeah, so I tried to explain. It's so difficult if you have, like, a city in the center of like a rural area, it's really, really hard to do a true homeless count. We've just kind of accepted that. Um, last year, so, and let me also tell you, you only count them one night of the year. So this is just, we tried to find as many homeless people as we could on, I think it was January 24th or 6th or something last year. Um, and so in one night, we were able to locate 187 homeless adults um, from the Conway Public Schools only. Now, this did not include the the, the smaller school districts, which we're working with them this year to be able to get more accurate counts. We had 93 homeless children and 187 homeless adults. And so, and I mean, you know that you're not finding them all. Because mm -hmm. the thing is, in the winter, if they don't want to be found, mm -hmm. you're not finding them. Yeah. Um, and so, so we estimate that on any given night, we probably have 300 homeless people in Faulkner County. Something, something else I heard you share one time, I think it may have been at the pastor's luncheon that we had uh, last year. Um, but the stigma that goes along with this homeless population, a lot of times we see the people, um, you know, and, and we think, why don't you just get a job? Mm -hmm. Speak to that, how, you yeah. know, it's easy for us to say, but very difficult for them to do. Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, let me tell you that people become homeless for so many reasons. And, and God has really shown me in the last five years that so many people are homeless actually because of health conditions mm -hmm. um, or they're aging out of work. Like maybe you did blue collar work your whole life and you are 63 years old and you're developing some health issues and you can't do that kind of work anymore. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to hire a right. sickly 63-year-old man to come do hard labor. Right. And so, um, but a lot of times we, we do see that. We, we say, why don't you just get a job, why don't you just fill in the blank? Um, for a lot of our, our folks, um, they have physical and mental disabilities. They maybe don't have um, birth certificates, social security cards, mm. photo identification. Like even if you make it so far as to get that job at McDonald's, you show up the first day for your training, they say, I need a copy of your photo ID mm. and your social security card, and you don't have that, they send you home. Wow. So part of what we do is try to figure out like, okay, so here is this homeless person and they are this is their story mm. how do we get this person yeah. rehoused and for some people it's medical care for some people we have to order a birth certificate and get a photo id for some people we have to work through some job training because mm. let me tell you just because we operate in in the working world we operate as if there's a standard that everybody knows yeah Everybody knows how to go to a job interview. Everybody right. knows how to make a phone call. Everybody yeah. knows that when you're sick and you can't go to work that day, you pick up the phone and call. 
Yeah. Not everybody knows. Yeah. You know, you just wow. don't. I never saw anybody write a check in my life till I was an adult. Wow. And, you know, do not hand some people a checkbook, you know, because right. it's like <laughs> handing them a ticket to jail. Like right. if they don't know how to balance I've a checkbook, still got it's checks, dangerous. I've still got money. Yeah. 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 Right. So, so I think like we just have to take a step back and say, not everybody knows what they ought to know. Yeah. You know, and so how do we take this person, this unique creation that God has before me today, and do I have just a minute? Yeah. Can I tell you a story? Sure. Okay. You're good. God split me right in two this winter, and I'm probably going to cry when I say this, so I apologize in advance. Um, so, you know, we've been doing this homeless thing for five years, so we got it all figured out, right? <laughs> um, the Lord brought us a woman um, that was... Um, had a mental disability. Um, she had an intellectual deficiency. She was physically disabled. She could hardly walk. She was um, morbidly obese. And um, she drew a check. She drew a Social Security check, and so she ought to have some money. And she had been housed in the past, but she had gotten tangled up online with one of these, like, Prince of Persia kind of guys that was that one of those online scams mm -hmm. where she had given them all of her personal information wow. and this guy was in love with her and he was her fiance and he was going to come and marry her and rescue her. And in the meantime, he was taking all of her money and she lost her apartment. And so she was homeless up in like North of Clinton somewhere. So some little church up there called and said, I heard you have a warming station. This woman is just living out here like a feral cat and, um, or dog. And, um, <laughs> So, anyway, so um, they called us and said, can we put her on a bus and send her down there? Um, and so we were like, yeah, I guess, but, like, you realize we're only open for 10 weeks, but we will do everything we can to work with her during that 10 weeks. And so she got off the bus down here, and we didn't know when she was coming, and we didn't even know who we were looking for. So she got off the bus, and she didn't know where she was going. She just got off at the bus stop and started meandering around Conway. So I don't know how long she meandered before the police found her, mm. and they brought her to us. And she was just, she couldn't control her body functions, so she was just like an animal. I mean, her hair was matted, and she was just in the most horrible physical condition and just starving and just, I mean, just awful. Um, and so they brought her to us, and she couldn't take care of herself. Um, and like I said, she was just filthy from head to toe. And so the first thing that we needed to do was get her showered. So I got on the phone, and I'm like, I'm calling adult protection. Something has to be done about this. And so there's systems in place, and I won't get into that, but adult protection could not help her slash would not help her. So here she was like this, and my night manager is a 20-something-year-old guy, and he just said, like, I don't, I don't know how to help her. Like, what do you want me to do? And the other homeless people are repulsed by her because she smells so bad and wow. she looks so awful and she's gross. And so, um, so he called me, and he was just, like, practically in tears. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, and the, home, and the adult protection won't come help her. So we came down, and... Um, God love her, my little receptionist, Kathy Reed, who is just the hands and feet of Christ. She came down, and we got her and got her into a shower. And in order to clean this woman, you had to be on your hands and knees. And I'll save you the details. But to be on your hands and knees before this person that is just covered in human excrement,
Jesus spoke to me there. Like, I don't think I've ever heard him speak before. This is how you came to me. Yeah. Covered in your own excrement. Helpless beyond help. Yeah. And I rescued you. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to bring her through a process and we were able to get her into an assisted living facility and all of that. But I will tell you, there are people that are homeless that are suffering that cannot help it and no one wants to touch them and reach out to them and deal with that so my heart hurts when i hear people say if they would just and that's true with some people it is true but in so many people it is not true yeah and who who is going to do it if not the Mm -hmm. body of christ exactly Exactly. Jesus, uh, he, he gave us that example when he ministered here. I mean, he touched the lepers. Yes, he, he did. Yeah. You know, he, he went to the people no one else would, would deal with. And so as the church, that's what we've been called to do. And Spring, I appreciate you so much and your staff. It, it's awesome. It's unbelievable. Uh, I'm on their email distribution and get their weekly newsletters and blogs. And uh, it's incredible stuff. I encourage you to go to their website, conwayministry.org. Uh, see what they're doing. There are opportunities out there to volunteer. Uh, again, you can do anything. That warming station, uh, you asked us to pray that that would happen again. I just believe I'm in agreement that it's going to happen again. But it takes a lot of volunteers to do that. And primarily, it's just people being there, being yeah. present, being with those yeah. people overnight. Uh, small groups, Sunday school classes, it would be something easy to do. Uh, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to keep these opportunities in front of you in the future and keep you updated. Uh, I don't think of a better group of people that we could partner with in Conway Ministry Center, and we appreciate what you've done. So we uh, look forward to the future because God has promised us that he will do even greater things than he did. And he is and, doing it. Yeah, he is awesome. faithful. Amen. Well, here's your phone. Uh, you have some text messages on it. Can it's I probably, turn this off now? Yeah, it's probably Laura telling you you need to wrap it up. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. It's on. Yep. Am I back on? Okay. Um, so I'll tell you what the sex trafficking thing. This is kind of new to us. Um, one, I can't, where are you? There you are. Um, I can't really answer that question, but we are seeing evidence of something happening. Um, and... I know that the county sheriff's office is kind of in on that. I know that the city of Conway has recently brought Mayflower Police, Conway Police, Greenbrier Police in, and there are some discussions about what is this that we're seeing and what level is it at. Um, so, So I don't know, but I know there is something relatively new. In the last few months, we've seen kind of this rising group of people where there's a lot of indication that it is a trafficking situation and so um but i do know that the that all the police departments are meeting and trying to figure out what it looks like and where do we go from here so um but we've seen some yeah yeah well and one of the big things is just getting them out and getting them taken care of as far as counseling and you know, that's first step. But yes, it's here. It is. It is. No doubt about it. And uh, I, I was I shared in earlier service one thing that kind of opened my eyes and I'm, I'm Conway raised. I mean, this is my hometown, this area. 
and of course, we've been here in Greenbrier 25 years, 30 years now. I don't even, 20, yeah. But uh, I, I had no idea. We're kind of blinded to a lot of it, I think, and just don't see it because we're not looking for it. Yeah. Something that really opened my eyes was last year, uh, y'all sent an email out, at, out an emergency need. You have a picture of a shelf that only had like one tent left on it and sleeping bags. And, and they were begging for just tents and sleeping bags so people would have a covered place to be able to stay. They're thrilled to get a tent yeah. and a sleeping bag. And during the, during the winter months, you can only imagine it being, you know, wind chill, nine degrees and, and having no shelter to stay in. So we appreciate y'all. Look forward to what God's going to do in the days yeah. ahead. But today... Uh, we're going to receive a love offering uh, just because uh, it takes money to do ministry. They didn't ask for this uh, before they came, uh, but I want to ask our ushers if they would to come at this time and, uh, again and, and grab the uh, thank you spring. And I want to receive an offering for them. And it would be, it, it's so easy for us to just put money in the basket and go, oh, we did our thing. But my prayer is, and I want to pray, with, I want you to be praying how God can use you in these areas. You know, often we say we can't go on a mission trip because we can't afford it, can't be gone that long. There's a great mission work to be done right here in Faulkner County, and so uh, look forward to how God's going to do that. Let me just ask a blessing on this offering. God, again, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to give. You've blessed us so much. I thank you for spring. I thank you for uh, Laura, this staff of only six, that you are doing some great things through uh, their call, through their leadership, hundreds of volunteers, hundreds of people that have come to understand that we as the church, we are you, we're your representatives, we're your body here on this earth to do what you did. And not only to do what you did, but to do even greater things than that. And, and God, you want us to be a part of that. And so, God, I just pray that you would speak to hearts and, and through your Holy Spirit in, in ways that we'd be challenged and convicted about being uh, your body here on this earth and that we would be faithful and we would be obedient and respond to what you're speaking uh, into our lives. But right now, uh, we can give financially. And so I pray for these offerings that we're about to receive, that every penny would go to build your kingdom, to bring you glory that you so rightfully deserve. And we pray that you'd bless it in special ways. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. And after we've received the offering on that spring, and Laura, if they want to go ahead and uh, go out to the Welcome Center, if you have any questions for them or would like to get any more information about uh, volunteering or serving at the Ministry Center, uh, they'll be out there at the Welcome Center uh, when you're dismissed this morning. I thank you so much for being here today. I, I think you see that God is at work right here where we live and that He wants us to be a part of that. And so I'm praying that God will use this church in even greater ways uh, than he ever has in the future. And once the uh, uh, ushers have passed you, you feel free to be dismissed. God bless you. I love you so much. Thanks for being here.